Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start chapter Matthew chapter 11. But before we get into Matthew chapter 11, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast. Thank you for sharing the Grind It Podcast because when you share the Grind It Podcast, you're sharing Jesus with people. And that's always a blessing. And that is our goal here at Grind It Podcast is to get people to know Jesus, know them as their personal Lord and Savior. And if they do know them, know him as their Lord and Savior to grow closer to him. Because we are here to encourage people to, to not give up and to keep walking because this world is hard. Life is difficult and it can bring many challenges. And we just want to encourage people to walk with Jesus and, and, and to hold on to that hope that we have from we pass over from this life into the next we take our last breath here on earth we take our first breath into eternity and we want people to spend eternity with our lord and savior jesus christ so thank you for being a listener and thank you for sharing the grind it podcast as i said today we're going to start matthew chapter 11 and i really enjoyed uh studying for this podcast i I enjoy the content that matthew provides for us here in the first part of chapter 11 because uh he has been focusing on jesus which is you know the whole point of his book because he is telling the jews that jesus is the messiah the one that they've been looking for he is the king that sits on the throne of david so he's he's writing this letter to convince his his race of people the jews that Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. And so he has been writing about all this stuff that Jesus done. How you know he he gave the Sermon on the Mount in three chapters. Uh, he Jesus has gone and he shared how Jesus has gone out and, and healed a bunch of people, how he's raised a twelve year old girl from the dead, how he's cast out demons and and how he's commissioned commissioned his twelve disciples to do the same thing. That's what we covered in Matthew chapter ten. And so now he's going to take the spotlight, just for a brief moment, off of Jesus, and he's going to put the spotlight on John uh, the baptizer, who is now in prison because he has condemned Herod Antipas, who was the ruler over Galilee at the time. He's condemned Herod Antipas and his wife because of their marriage. Uh, uh, He was telling Herod Antipas and Herodias that their marriage was illegal because she has... Uh, she had been previously married to uh, Herod Antipas's own brother, uh, Philip. And so he's condemned their marriage, and, and Herod Antipas has now placed John the baptizer in prison. And we'll see in three chapters later, in Matthew chapter 14, uh, just how costly this was for John because it literally cost him his head when Herodias puts her own daughter up to dancing very provocatively, probably a nude dance, uh, before her husband, the king, and uh, and made a request after it pleased the king. The dance pleases the king to to uh, have John the baptizer's head served to her on a silver platter, and that's exactly what happened. So this was a very costly move for John. But I want to ask a question as we. As we start this study uh, today in Matthew chapter 11, 
about John the Baptizer and what, what, what happens to him while he is in prison. Uh, not, not the death, but, but something else that goes on in John's head. Um, and the question I want to ask is this. Have you, ever, have you ever been so solid about doing something something that you have planned and you've got it you've got it well thought out and and you you want to go for it or have you ever been uh so convinced that this person is the right person in your life at the moment um maybe it's a it's a decision that you have made um but for whatever reason for some reason you begin to second guess your decision you 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 begin to second guess is that person really right in my life or is is this thing that i'm about to do is it really the right thing to do and 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 what happens is you begin to have some doubt i think one of the biggest factors of doubt is fear and we'll get into that here in just a few minutes but but this is exactly what happens to, to John the Baptizer while he is in prison. Maybe he knew his fate. Maybe he knew that he would never see. Maybe he didn't know he was going to be beheaded at the time. But maybe he was thinking, I'm never going to see the light of day again. And so he begins to think about things. He begins to question things. And he begins to doubt everything that he knew about Jesus and what he had seen with his own eyes and what he had heard with his own ears and what he had done with his own hands. And we see this take place in verses 1 through 18 of Matthew chapter 11 when Matthew writes, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his twelve disciples, that's when he commissioned the twelve in the last chapter, he went out to teach and preach in, in towns throughout the region. And here's the spotlight being shifted from Jesus to John. He says, John the baptizer, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples, because John had some disciples, and even lost some of his disciples, to Jesus. And so he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told them, he says, Go back and tell John, and tell him what you have heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, Those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to talk about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go out in the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? In other words, was there doubt? No. Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothing? Well, obviously not, because he was dressed in camel's uh, skins um, with locusts and wild honey running from his beard or matted up in his beard. But Jesus says, were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothing? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the baptizer. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from that time, John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And it's still advancing 2,000 years later. 
and violent people, Jesus says, are attacking it, still attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, and the one the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear shall listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation, Jesus says. It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, We played wedding songs, and you didn't dance. We played funeral songs, and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors or other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. So all throughout the Bible, we are told to have faith. From Genesis to Revelation, have faith. Jesus said that those in the Old Testament were looking forward to this point in time. We are looking back. We, we, we have the story. It was being written in the Old Testament and when Jesus was here. But now it is written and it's in book form and we have everything that we need. God has provided everything we need in this book, the Word of God, for salvation. Anything that we need for salvation. It tells us all about Jesus and how he died on the cross, how he was buried in a tomb, and how he was resurrected on the third day and how he ascended back to the Father 40 days after that. And and 10 days later, the Holy Spirit fell. That's all we need. That's all we need is the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Bible has so much more than that. It has situations for everyday life and how to cope with life and how to cope when these hard things come such as John is facing here. And, 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 and that's what we're going to talk about today is doubt, when doubt begins to creep in. Because like I said, we're told all throughout the Bible to have faith, right? Jesus would even tell people this on a consistent basis, including his own disciples that were walking with him every day. They, they were seeing the miracles. They were seeing dead people come back to life. They were seeing this stuff for themselves. They, they were able to do it for themselves when he commissioned them in Matthew chapter 10 and gave them the power to cast out demons, the power to heal people. And they were to go out and, and to preach the message. But you know what? They had trouble with doubt and fear. And they were there walking with Jesus all day, every day for three Three and a half years. All we have is a book. We don't have Jesus standing before us doing all these miracles. We we all we have is faith. And and yes, we have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that they have. But I'm telling you, I'm just simply saying that they were there with Jesus, seeing it done firsthand, and they did it themselves. But up until Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit fell on them. They, they struggled with their faith. And so Jesus would tell them all the time, have faith, only believe. Have, have faith the size of a mustard seed. And then he would, he would uh, on several occasions, he would scold them saying, oh, you of little faith. Why, why would Jesus say that to them? It's because, it's because they, they, had, they had faith. They wanted to believe because they have seen all of this evidence that, that, that Jesus did. 
And so they knew that Jesus could do whatever miracle it was that he was about to do, but there was something that that they just could not overcome in their flesh, and that was, like I said, doubt, which is basically fear. Fear of what if? What if this doesn't work? What if this is the wrong decision? What if I fail? What if this leads me to a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a, a, a lot of misery? And that's what we, we spend our life doing is trying to avoid that stuff, right? Doubt is basically the fear of the unknown. Because, see, we are limited as human beings. God only knows the future. God knows the beginning, the present, and the future. All we know is what's right now, which is the present, and the past. And what we do as human beings is we base the present, what's going on right now, off of how it was in the past. We base what happened to us and how it made us feel. We, you know, back in the past, we we have these wounds that the things that we went through, the, the it created wounds, if you will. And so, this is how we're going to view the present. That's all we have to go on. We we. You know, we can plan for the future, but we don't know what the future holds because the Bible says we're never even promised tomorrow. Um, as, you know, that's why Garth Brooks wrote the song "If Tomorrow Never Comes" because we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know tomorrow uh, is going to come. We we we're only we can only deal with what's going on right now at this present time, and what's happened in the past. You know that that's why counselors uh, have a job day. Uh, and, and, and counselors are very much needed. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll just give you an example. My, my wife and I, uh, and matter of fact, my whole family is going uh, to counseling to deal with uh, things that has happened in our lives in the past and, and why we act certain ways uh, today. Why, what, you know, why do we get triggered so easily and handle certain situations like we do? There's absolutely nothing wrong with with going to counseling and getting help. Absolutely nothing. In fact, uh, uh, I encourage you uh, to go get help, um, to find a counselor, to find somebody to talk to, uh, a a, a friend, a a pastor, a, a, a relative, somebody that you can talk to if you're struggling with something, if you're having... Uh, life challenges and and and, and you need help <clears throat> because doubt has crept into your life, which has caused fear to creep into your life. Um, get help, please get help. It will be one of the greatest decisions you have ever made. It's it, getting getting counseling uh, is definitely one of the greatest decisions I have ever made for myself. Uh, I had an alcoholic dad who who moved us around a lot. Uh, he drank a lot of alcohol, and he cheated on my mom uh, many times with many women before he came to the Lord and started serving God. He he uh, he started a bus ministry at the church I was raised at, uh, um, and and this was uh, back at the time when they had the well, they still had the big old school buses, but this is those great big old hefty looking school buses, and uh, back in the uh, uh, early seventies. Um, and if I remember the story right, um, he he uh, grew 
this bus ministry into seven buses, I believe. I can remember some of them. I remember one of them was the Purple People Picker Upper is what was painted on the back of it. Um, but the the church that I was that was raised in grew significantly, had seen a lot of growth because of what my dad started with this bus ministry. And they'd go into, into the town and, and pick up a bunch of people and bus them to our church services. Um, but despite the good stuff that my dad was doing for the Lord, unfortunately, doubt crept in, fear crept in, and he allowed that doubt and that fear to interfere with his walk with the Lord. And he ended up taking his own life when I was just three years old. Um, my sister was around seven years old and my brother was 13 years old. And at 13 years of age, my brother had to become an adult and help take care of me. Like I said, I was three years old. My mom, um, who was in her early 30s um, or mid-30s, and then my sister uh, and my brother was just a kid himself. And and you may be asking, why, why am I telling you this story about my family and about my past? Well, Here's the thing. We, we can all have faith that one can have. And the Bible says that God gives us a measure of faith and we can grow our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we, we, we grow our faith or God grows our faith. But all, all it takes is just a little bit of doubt, a little bit of fear to absolutely crush our faith, to squash it. To snuff it out like a like a a flame that you know you you put uh, you light a candle and you snuff the candle out. That's what doubt and fear does to our flame of faith, if you will. In James chapter one, verses one through eight, James writes, "James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ." And by the way, this is Jesus's half brother uh, because Joseph and Mary had other sons and daughters. Since Joseph wasn't Jesus' dad, God was. He was his earthly dad. But Mary was his mom. Joseph and Mary get married after Jesus was born. They have other sons and they have other daughters. So Jesus has a bunch of half-brothers and half-sisters. In fact, we have the names of Jesus' half-brothers in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, when Mark says, Isn't this Mary's son or writes, uh, isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? So there, James, that is the author of this this letter. Uh, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? It is this James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is writing this letter. And you're saying, what, what, what's the big deal about that? He, he should know all about Jesus. He, he should believe in Jesus since he was raised with Jesus. And, and, and he's been told his whole life that there's something special about his brother, his half-brother, Jesus, right? Well, in John chapter 7, verse 5, we see Jesus' own half-brothers questioning who he is. Hey, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are the Messiah who's going to save us, then why don't you go on up to the feast, going up to the festival, and work your miracles there? Quit doing, you know, work these things in public. Don't, don't, don't do these things behind closed doors where you know people can't see you doing it. Go on out there and show yourself. And Jesus is saying, "Well, my time has not yet come. It's, it's not. It's just not ready 
the time is not ready yet. But but my point is, this is the this is James, the half brother of Jesus, and even he, for a long time, had doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. But evidently something changed because he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, his life got totally changed by his own half-brother. But he had doubt in him. And so he says, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces produces perseverance. So he, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Our faith is going to be tested. You can count on it. Jesus said it would. His faith was tested all the time, even though he was God in the flesh. You know, they were constantly trying to kill him. The religious leaders, the church people, they they hated him. They tried to kill him. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They doubted that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, because he, he didn't fit their um, preconceived ideas of how the Messiah should be. And so here is James writing to his uh, Christian brothers, his Christian sisters. He says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, in other words, you're going to face them. And they were facing persecution back then, big time. And he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So just put it in the bank. Your faith will be tested. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith, what does it do? It produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. In other words, don't quit. Don't quit. Let perseverance, when, when these trials come, when your faith is being tested, persevere. Don't quit. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom and it's... In, in, it, it's uh, unique that he uh, po points out wisdom here. He just picks it out. If any of you lacks wisdom, why would he choose wisdom here? Because in my opinion, this is where doubt and fear creep in. The feeling, the feeling of inadequacy, as if we lack something. We, uh, the, the fear, the doubt of, I don't know enough. You know, we're scared to share Jesus with people. We're scared to share our faith with people because, well, I don't have a Bible degree. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know. What if they ask me a question and I don't know how to respond? I don't. I don't know what to say. So, in other words, it's the it's fear. It's doubt. I don't know enough. I, I don't know if I can do this. And so, fear and doubt holds us back from doing a lot of stuff. And so, he, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom. You should ask God who gives wisdom generously to all without finding fault. That's a, that's a good key point. And we'll come back to that later on toward the end. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and what? Not doubt. There it is. You you must believe. When you, when you go to God and you ask for wisdom, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts, James says, is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And those, those, those waves are very strong, but they're, they're manipulated by the wind. They are moved and created by the wind. 
And he says that person, the one who doubts and lacks faith, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, the one who lacks wisdom, the one who, uh, uh, the one who really doesn't believe, the one who has doubt and lacks the faith. They are double-minded, he says, and unstable in all they do. Everything they do, they're double-minded and unstable. So the reason why I shared the story about my family, about my dad, is because it's what fear and doubt look like. Um, and I'm sure you have stories of your own, but but my dad, uh, he he was living not a good life and he came to jesus and and he turned his life around but something happened to where he allowed doubt and fear just like james says maybe it was a lack of wisdom it was a lack of something but doubt and fear crept in and it caused him to lose focus and he went right back into that old lifestyle and that doubt and that fear caused him to take his own life. And like I said, I'm sure you have your own stories of how you have had faith or you know people in your life who have had faith and how uh, you wanted to work for the Lord or or maybe you even did work for the Lord, but fear and doubt crept in and, and for whatever reason, you quit and you gave up. And, and and what I would love to encourage you to do is is to 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 be like John, man. Think about this. Yeah, you could question it. Doubt and fear may creep in, but don't quit. Get, whatever it was that you were doing for God, have at it. Get back to work. Um. And like I said, this is what's happening to John as he's awaiting his fate in prison. He, John, think about this. Think about this. This is so good. John knew his purpose, right? He, he knew his mission was given to him from God himself before he was ever born. And his, his, his uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah's pregnancy was a miracle in itself because she wasn't able to have children. But then the angel visits Zechariah there in the temple when he was working for the Lord and says, hey, your wife's going to have a son. And, and here's his mission. Here's his purpose. So John, John uh, himself was a miracle child. Um, and he's sitting there in, in in prison and knowing his purpose and knowing his mission and knowing where his mission came from and knowing that he has fulfilled his mission out flawlessly. Think about this. John, John the baptizer, when he was a baby in Elizabeth's womb, Mary comes to visit. She has just been told by the angel that she's going to have God's child, that he would be Emmanuel, that he will be, he will be called Jesus, that uh, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And even though she, that Jesus was just a, 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 just a little tiny speck in uh, Mary's womb, when Mary visits Elizabeth and Elizabeth opens the door to, the, to her home and allows Elizabeth to come in and, and greets Mary uh, at the door, John the baptizer, as a little baby inside Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy, right? So John knew even when he was in the womb who Jesus was who was just just started baking if you will in Mary's womb but John knew 
who Jesus was. He leaped for joy at the greeting. He, he had been out in the desert proclaiming the kingdom of God was near. He yelled to the people when he saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized that day. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he, he has baptized countless of people because he believed in God. He believed the message that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. It is, matter of fact, it's here. And so he baptizes Jesus, God in the flesh. You know, he questioned Jesus. I, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you, you baptize me to, to fulfill our righteousness. is to kick off my ministry. And so John baptizes Jesus. And when John baptizes Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes down out of heaven in the form of a dove, lands on Jesus' shoulder. And, and that signifies to John that this is the one, this is the Messiah that all the prophets have been prophesying about. Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, over hundreds of years, there's been 400 years of silence, or over 400 years of silence. And now, after the birth of Jesus, he's 30 years old when he comes to John to be baptized. All this time, the Holy Spirit comes down, lands on Jesus, signifying to John, this is the one. And, and to top it all off, a voice comes down from heaven. It's God, the Father, and he's saying, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, right? And so, despite all of this stuff that John knows about Jesus, even after hearing the stories of all the miracles that Jesus is doing, doubt and fear have crept in. And that's why Matthew writes, so he, John the baptizer, sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else. You know, that's why I said, well, we can have all the faith that a person can have. We can have the greatest of faith, but all it takes is just a, a little bit of doubt and a little bit of fear, which comes from the enemy, by the way, to get us to question what we're doing and why we're doing it. And the next thing you know, discouragement comes along and we quit. All it takes is just a little bit of doubt and a little bit of fear to get us out of focus. Our, our, our focus gets off of Jesus and, and it become, we start questioning everything that we're doing. And we start questioning the Word of God and we start questioning Jesus just like John did. Despite all of this stuff that John knew about Jesus, that he knew it firsthand. He, he had handled the Son of God in his own hands and put him in that water and raised him out of that water. He saw the Holy Spirit. He heard the voice of God. He proclaimed with his own mouth who Jesus is. And yet, here he is in prison and doubt and fear creeps in. And it, 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 and so John has to know, he, 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 because of doubt and fear, he sends out those disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? All it takes is a little bit of doubt and fear to get us off focus and quit. It's why people commit suicide. Like my dad. Successful people. People who seem to have it, have it, have it all. 
to have the American dream, life at its fullest, a great family, a great career, lots of money, a nice house, nice cars, the American, the American dream, stuff that we, we all desire. And yet, even people who have all of this stuff, they, they, they end it. They literally end their life. And for example, this just just happened uh, a few days ago uh, uh, um, in the news was telling about this man by the name of, of Stephen Boss, uh, nicknamed the Twitch. And uh, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't, I don't know the guy. Never met him in my life. I only know what the news has said about him. And everything that, that I, I, I've read and listened to about him was nothing but positive. Everything from his family, everything from his friends, it was just all good stuff. And, and how this guy was so happy and how he lit up a room everywhere he went. And, and, and he brought so much joy in, in the people's lives. In fact, there was an interview that I read a little bit of with his granddad who was completely shocked and couldn't understand why he would take his own life. Why? And in this interview with the granddad, he asked the same question that anybody, including myself, who has been affected by suicide, even if a note is left behind. Why? Why did they do this? And that's what the the granddad asked in the interview. He says that we just I just want to know why 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 did he take his own life when he it seemed like life was so so good. And you think about that. What what would make a man or a woman? But what would in in particular this this what had happened to to um, Twitch? What what would make a man such as Twitch who had millions of dollars who was on top of his game who was famous who was planning future events with his wife and his entertainment career who had a very beautiful family why why would a person like this get in an uber or take an uber to a hotel just a mile away from his home and book a room walk into that bathroom of that hotel room, write a suicide note, and put a gun to his head and pull the trigger. Why? Well, according, they haven't released the details of that suicide note, but the only thing they have released about it was that he was dealing with some uh, past challenges. And so that's what I said at the beginning of this podcast. The only thing we can deal with the only thing that we can know is what's happening now and what's happened in the past. And evidently, something had happened in his past that has brought doubt and fear. It really boils down to those two things, doubt and fear. And he decided he couldn't deal with it. And instead of getting help, and instead of uh, going to someone else and, and, and sharing what had happened in the past dealing with the doubt and dealing with the fear, he decided to end it. That's why I said we can have all the faith in the world. We can have all the success. 
there's what we deem successful in in America and in other places. But all it takes is a just a hint, just a little bit of fear and a little bit of doubt, and people end it. It ended all. Doubt is one of the greatest tools the enemy has to use against us. I mean, I, I think I can't remember her name. I, I shared her example in a, in a previous podcast, but uh, I think she was on Entertainment Tonight as a reporter. She her she had was growing. She was a Miss America or something. I, I can't remember, but but I remember her. Um, she's a very successful. Uh, she was in her thirties. Very successful person in growing up the ladder, if you will, of success, and and she runs off. She gets in a, a, a or climbs flights of stairs and goes way up into her uh, the building, her high rise building that she lived in, and she jumps like 40, 50 stories off to the ground and, and kills herself. Why? When we start digging in people's past. We find these two things, doubt and fear. It is one of the greatest tools the enemy has to use against us. Perfect example, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in perfect communion with God in the Garden of Eden. You're talking about having it made. They didn't have to work. Praise the Lord, I wish they didn't have to, but we have to work because of their fall, their mistakes, their fear and their doubt. We're paying the the consequences of that, by the way. But they didn't have to work. God made it so easy for them to live. You know, there was no rain. There was no storms. The water came up from the earth and watered the ground. Things grew without Adam having to, you know, plant or anything. It was all there. God had provided. God had made it so easy for them. There was there there wasn't any pain. And and, and the best thing about it was. God visited them on, on a regular basis. They had perfect communion with God himself until one day the enemy comes up to Eve and says, you know, Eve, this, let, let me talk about you and God. Oh, yeah, well, what about me and God? Do you know that God's holding back from you, Eve? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, God, God he's... Yeah, I know you got to go with God, but God's holding back something from you. He, he's keeping something from you. In fact, you know, if you eat from that fruit of that tree over there, you'll be just like God. You'll, but, but God said we can't eat of that tree. Ah, he didn't say, you know, you, 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 he didn't say you would die if you would eat from that fruit of that tree. You know, what, what would happen is you would be just like, if you just go there and eat that fruit, you would be just like God. You would have this very thing that God's holding back from you. You can know both good and evil as if evil was a good thing to know. And see, so what What the enemy did for Eve was he got her attention. He got her, her focus off of God and onto that tree, and 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 once he did this, doubt crept in, and she begins to doubt God. And since she wanted to be like God, and see that, that faith is, you know, when we're putting our faith in God, we're being like God. We're we're trusting God, and and that's what Adam and Eve were doing, and everything was fine. But the moment the enemy came in 
and and deceived her and got her to doubt God. That that's what that's what brings the fear. And that's why James says, "Don't mix doubt and fear. You won't get anything from God." And we see that going on right here in the garden. They had everything that they could possibly want and perfect communion with God. But the moment she began to doubt God, she got her focus off of God and onto that fruit. And she says, I want to be like God. And so she goes and picks that fruit and she takes a bite. And she passes some of that fruit to Adam and he takes a bite. And the moment they took a bite of that fruit, they did exactly what God told them not to do. And sin entered in. And when sin entered in, they realized they were naked. They were they were shameful. They were naked the whole time, and there was never any shame. But now that they've sinned, they've went against what God told them to 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 not do. They they realize, hey, we're naked, and now they are ashamed that they are naked. And they hear God coming along, walking along in the garden. And they know they've messed up. They know they, they've done what God had told them not to do. And this is where fear creeps in. Because what do we find Adam and Eve doing? They hear God coming and they run and they hide as if they could hide from God who knew exactly where they were at. And that's where the fear came in. And they have doubted. And now they're full of fear. And what did they do? They tried to fix the problem for themselves. And they have taken fig leaves and made clothing for themselves. But God, in His grace and His mercy and His compassion, God was the only one who could truly fix their doubt and their fear. He sacrifices an animal and He takes the the skins from the animal and makes clothing that would fully cover them. And, and and now they don't have to be shameful anymore. Yes, they have doubted. Yes, they were full of fear. But guess what? God still took care of them. God still provided for them. And He still sacrificed for them. And God, here's the thing. God wants us to have faith in Him. But God also knows that we are weak. God knows that we will doubt. God knows that we're going to have fear. That's why he gave us Jesus. And you think about this. Here's John. He's in prison. Not knowing if he's ever going to get out. Never knowing if he's going to see the light of day again. To be able to go out there and preach the message to people and to baptize people again. Perhaps John may die in prison. And we know that he does die in prison. And despite everything that John knows about Jesus, despite physically spending time with Jesus, baptizing him with his own hands and seeing the Holy Spirit land on Jesus and hearing the voice of God himself come down from heaven saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, John doubts and John is fearful. That's why he sends the disciples out to Jesus to ask him, are you the one or do we look for another? It's just what we do because we're human. Every since the fall, every since Adam and Eve took the bite of that fruit, doubt and fear, it's, it, it, no matter how much faith we have, no matter 
no matter how great our faith is, doubt and fear can creep in. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't condemn John for his doubt. Just like God didn't condemn Adam and Eve for their doubt and for their fear. He loved them and he sacrificed for them and provided for them clothing. Yes, they got cast out of the Garden of Eden. And yes, there there was all these uh, curses, if you will, that came along. Uh, th- there had to be consequences uh, for their actions. They chose to sin against God, so there had to be consequences. Just like if if we have faith and we allow doubt and fear to creep in and we quit walking with God like we should, there will be consequences. If we choose to ha- to not have faith, if we choose to doubt and fear and we choose sin, there are always consequences to sin. Yes, our sins are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are forgiven, but there are consequences to our actions. Always. The Bible says you reap what you sow. But Jesus did not condemn John for his doubt, or he did not condemn John for his fear. He understood. Jesus knew what was going to happen because he's God in the flesh. If he knew what people were thinking and called them out on it in front of everybody, he knew exactly what was going to happen to John. He knew that John was going to be beheaded. And so what Jesus does, he instead of condemning John because of his doubt and his fear, he could have said, didn't John leap in the womb? Didn't John go out there into the wilderness and preach to all these people that the kingdom of God is here? Can't he see that for himself? Can't can't didn't John baptize me? Didn't he hear the voice from heaven from my father? Didn't didn't he see the dove? I mean, Jesus could have just pounded John for his doubt and his fear, but he didn't. And what Jesus does to John is simply reassure John that yes, I am the one. And what Jesus does is he calms John's fear. He erases all doubt from John's mind because he wanted he wanted John to have peace knowing that John's going to be beheaded soon. John didn't know that, but Jesus did. And so he tells John's disciples, he says, you go back to John and you tell him what you have heard and seen, that the blind see and the lame walk Those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And that is the key right there. That is the key. What Jesus ended with to John's disciples, you go tell John all the stuff that you see. That all these things are happening. But tell John this. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. As we end today's podcast, I, I, I just want to make this perfectly clear. The bottom line is we all doubt. I don't care how much faith you have. Doubt's going to creep in. Because we have an enemy. And he's going to come against us with everything that he has. 
And when that doubt comes, and when that fear comes, the key is to not let the doubt and the fear hold us back from serving God, from exercising our faith. Don't lose focus. Keep focus where it should be. That's on Jesus. We get that from Hebrews 12, 1-3. Despite doubt and fear, we must keep believing. We must keep walking with Jesus and not quit. And as we walk with Christ, what happens is, yes, doubt may come. Yes, fear may come. But if we will keep walking, we will see that doubt and that fear begin to diminish because we have kept the focus on Jesus. And that doubt and that fear will soon disappear because our focus is where it should be. And that's on Jesus. Are you full of fear and doubt today? Has that doubt and that fear caused you to lose focus? Where is your focus? What's it on? Is it on Jesus where it should be? Or is it on that problem, that situation that you're facing? Be careful where your focus is. Be careful where you allow that the enemy to take you because of doubt and fear. We're here to encourage you in any way we can to not give up but to keep on going, to keep walking. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what a great place to start with faith. Put your faith in Christ and walk with Him. If we can help you do that, we would be glad to tell you how to have a relationship with Jesus. If you already know Jesus, have you allowed the enemy to fill your life full of doubt and fear and you have lost focus? I'm asking, I'm begging you today to refocus, to get your focus where it should be so that your doubt and fear that has crept into your life because of the enemy, if you'll start walking with Jesus again, that doubt and that fear, it'll slowly begin to diminish and it will fade away because you are walking toward Jesus. And that's where I want to encourage you today. If we can help you in any way, pray for you with whatever life challenge you are going through. If your life is full of doubt and fear, please let us know so we can pray for you and we can encourage you in any way that we can. You can write to us here at the Grinded Podcast at the Grinded Podcast at gmail.com. And just let us know what you're dealing with and we'll help you with any any way, with anything that we can. God bless you. Thank you for listening today and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.